Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow, and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, James Jones, and after confirming that his illness that he claims he's got is not transmittable to us via Zoom, we're not sure if it's COVID-19 yet, we're also joined half an hour late for the recording by Tom Edwards. Gentlemen, we'd better start with you first, Tom. How are you? Because we've both been very worried. I am. I'm getting by. I feel your, uh, I feel your sympathy through here, Will, actually. I really do, mate. Um, no, but every, everything's good. Everything's good until I saw the news, which we'll get on to later today. But yeah, no complaints. No complaints, my so, mate. So, so it's not coronavirus? I'm saying no, otherwise I'll be sleeping in the street, mate. So at this point, it's a cold. <laughs> Excellent. Josie, you look young and quite full of vitality and pretty fresh tonight. I commented on your, on your new shave, your lack of facial hair. You're looking pretty young and not as tired as usual. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I don't know about that, what that says about what I previously looked like on these on these <laughs> recordings, but um, yeah, I've recently had a bit of a shave. Um, noticed that every time I kiss my son, I leave a rash on his face with a beard. So um, I thought it's not not very fair. Like he's just walking around with like red patches all over his head. So um, I thought I better shave, and I, I'm glad you like it, Will. Um, well, I'd like to say it was all for you, but it wasn't. Wasn't was it? No, I mean uh, that's one of the drawbacks, I suppose. James being so rugged like you are, it's the uh, the constant facial hair maintenance that you need to go through. Well, we've got a packed show tonight. We're going to touch on Jeremy and Gakia once again. Now we mentioned him last week, but David Moyes has come out and all but confirmed he will be leaving the club. So we'll touch on that again. Thomas Suchek has extended his loan spell with the club, which is obviously brilliant news for for West Ham. He looked pretty promising after his uh, after his initial few games for the club and also there's going to be mosaic fan images around the London Stadium supporters can send in pictures of themselves they've been encouraged to do so by the club for free and the Billy Bond stand at the London Stadium where football comes back will be covered with uh, cardboard cutout style images of fans the atmosphere will probably be just as tame as it was before when there was 60,000 real people in the ground but uh, that'll be an interesting one so we'll touch on that We'll, we'll start with Ngakia, James, I think. We we did briefly go through it last week. David Moyes has come out in the week and basically said, yeah, I'm disappointed that he's going to be leaving the club. The report, Sam Incasol, football.london, friend of the show, his report in the week saying Ngakia was after 20,000. West Ham offered him at f- around five plus some bonuses. Those were the sort of figures being bandied around. And it appears now that, He's, he's going, not going to be going. He's not going to be extending, even on a short-term basis, and he'll be off on the 30th of June. Have your opinions on the matter changed based on Moise's comments in the week, or are you still pretty much as you were last week? Pretty much pretty much as I was. Um, I do. It just seems, and I think we're going to go into a little bit more detail, a little bit later on in the show, but it just it doesn't seem right that a young player 
has been able to just have four first team games, um, having played in the under 21s for most of the season. Uh, get four first team opportunities, albeit okay, two against Liverpool, one against City, I think it was. But at the same time, yeah, okay, he's played well, but that doesn't give him or his agent any right to start demanding you know, wages uh, that, are, that are kind of outside what the club would normally pay for a player at that stage of his career. A lot of people will point to Declan Rice, but Declan Rice had already had a season and a half, what, two seasons under his belt um, and an England call-up before he then got his, what, 30 grand, 40 grand a week pay rise. Um, so, yeah, it's, something's not right. And I, I stand by what I said last week in that um, I think he's been advised very, very wrong by his agent or whoever else is beyond the scenes. Excellent. Well, I look forward to a head-to-head with you in about 15 minutes' time when, as you say, we do go into it in more detail because... As often happens on the We Are West Ham podcast, I think you're talking out of your backside there. Well, just one thing to to let everyone know, listening at home, you can still get in touch with us at wearewesthampod at gmail.com and leaving all the reviews on iTunes. Let us know what you're up to, how you're getting on, what your thoughts are on the ticketing situation with the club refunds and just anything, anything that pops into your head, really. Tom, on a bit more positive news, I mentioned the Suchek news there. He's extended short term and the feeling tends to be that he wants to make the move permanent once all this, uh, the end of the season's out of the way. He won't be doing that. It's quite clear if we end up in the championship, but certainly good news in the short term. Yeah, massively. I think he's he's given a bit of fresh air to that midfield. He's uh, he's athletic. He's tall. He's rangy. He's good in the air. Supposedly scores goals. You haven't seen it yet, but he's he's a threat from corners and set pieces. He's shown that. I think he's just given us a bit more bite and fight in that midfield. And I think it's a deal sort of none of us really knew anything about when it came off. But by the looks of it, it's been a really really positive move. And when we, when he was injured for that short spell before uh, the virus hit, we actually you could noticeably see that we did miss the guy so so it's a big move for the club it's a good move and fingers crossed if we do stay up we'll hopefully see the best of him in the next year or so because I, I like what he what he's brought to the team so far and he looks like a leader which we need can you can you see him it's one of those if if we do go down god forbid and it was funny i was talking to my dad the other day and i rang him up after the club email came out about the tickets and um refunds and all that sort of thing i said oh what do you reckon then you're just going to leave the money in or you take the cash now or what do you think he said well to be honest, at first, I didn't even think about it. I thought, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll um, leave the money in. I'll get it off next season's. And then I looked at the table and realised, I know it had been a while since we've watched football, but I'd just forgotten how much trouble we actually were in. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I can bear watching Doncaster at home on a Tuesday night in a championship for another year. So I'm, I'm not quite so sure. There is, there is that, obviously, from the Suchek's point of view. I think it's safe to say that if we do go down, he'll certainly get another Premier League contract somewhere else, wouldn't you, such as the class he's shown so far, Jonesy? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's probably what he's got his eyes on. Um, he's shown how happy he is to be playing playing in England. Um, and I can assure you, he's not delighted to be playing for West Ham United. He's delighted <laughs> to be playing in England um, and in the Premier League. Um, West Ham might become secondary to that, but... I think first and foremost, he's just happy to be playing in what everyone calls the best league in the world. Um, and he's not going to be playing for us next year if we're not in that best team in the world. So um, he, he will probably get a move. As Tom just said there, you know, he's really freshened up our midfield. Um, he's a threat at set pieces and um, just just looks the real deal. And he looks like the sort of midfielder that we've kind of missed since, you know, maybe Coate left or, 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 you know, we've not had a pad like that for a while. Um, so hopefully we can do the business, stay up and have him for longer than what eight games or whatever it is. Well, West, West Ham have got quite a positive past record with Czech players, haven't they? Ludo McCloskey and Thomas Repka are the ones that immediately spring to mind. And it's got absolutely nothing to do with anything we're talking about on the show tonight. But a fun fact for you, I spoke to Thomas Repka, who's recently just got out of prison in the Czech Republic. And he's written a book and I've been in touch with his publisher because I was trying to get a copy of it in English because I figured if anyone's going to have some interesting stories in their autobiography, it's going to be Thomas Repka. How many, I'll give you both a guess and whoever gets nearest gets an applause. I'm not putting myself up for any more prizes. I already owed James four pints and that's absolutely <laughs> killing me from the mystery players quiz. But how many, I'll give you both a guess each. How many books do you think Thomas Repka has written in his life? Jones, you go first. I mean, I'm surprised he's only written, he's, he's actually written one, let alone more than one. Um, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna go really outlandish and just throw a figure out there and just say nine. Okay, Tom. I want everyone if he's done nine. I'm thinking four. Well, I tell you, one of you was one away, and Tom Edwards, you win the prize this evening. Thomas Repker in his life has written five books. What are they about? What? Yeah, what? Wow. Well, I know, and that's what. The, so the publisher got back to me today and said. Oh, well, really sorry. Unfortunately, the latest uh, book Thomas Repka has written, the fifth one, um, is about just about his time and his experience in the Czech prison and conditions. And it's quite a Czech Republic specific uh, work. So we didn't feel there was a market for it in England. I, I, I didn't have an ask him quite yet what the previous four were about. I think they're more like autobiographical, just about his football. He's big into the, uh, like the Sparta Prague fan scene i think that's his that's his home team and uh he played for them before i think he's still part of a big part of that lives over in the czech republic at the moment but yeah i was i was stunned i think if you told me that thomas repka had read five books in his life that i'd have been <laughs> fairly shocked of that but uh yeah it turns out he's actually written them so fingers crossed that there's some link between repka and Suchek, and even if we do go down he persuades him as some sort of czech loyalty as some of the players seem to have with the club that he stays on. One last thing in this first little section, the squad played a friendly against each other a few days ago at the London Stadium. The home and away kit, Jonesy, um, that you said to me last week was, it's good enough for Liverpool, it's good enough for us. Uh, West Ham playing, yeah, one team with the home kit, one team with the away kit on. It's literally every team's been doing it, isn't it? So it was obviously a good idea. They obviously listened to the podcast last week, heard your thoughts on it and thought, yep. If James Jones from where West Ham thinks it's a good idea, then we'll roll it out across the league. I don't know what the score was or any, I haven't seen any highlights from it or anything like that, but um, I, I guess we still somehow managed to lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or is it just a, a bore draw? Nil-nil. Um, yeah, nil-nil. Yeah, nil, nil, yeah. Still can't score any goals. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good to see. I, I, I like seeing the pictures of the players come up against each other at London Stadium and and playing against each other. It looks like preparations are well underway for, for that first game against Wolves. And uh, I'm not too concerned about what the score was or um, hopefully it, was, it was, wasn't it was very high scoring because that would sort of raise some questions about our defenders more, more than our strikers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully it was competitive and uh, the players found it useful. And, you know, it's good to see them. Good to see pictures of the players actually playing football again after so long. So, um Hopefully they're prepared within the next ten days or so. Tom, we've got a. Uh, I think I think we've also got a game against QPR coming up. But you just know, don't you, that while some of the teams would have been getting fitness and, and taking some positives out of it, you know that there'll be like the, a few couple of our midfielders will have like Declan Rice will have scored a few, which would have destroyed the defenders' confidence. The strikers will have caned a few over the bar, which have destroyed their confidence. And we'll come back, and once again, Declan Rice will be the only one strutting about on the pitch who thinks he can actually play football. Zero, Hugill's going to six six in or something stupid as well. It's going <laughs> to he's going to put them to the sword. And they're all going to come back in an absolute hellish spot, but. <laughs> I was trying to read things into that game. I mean, that's the sign of the times. I was looking at that game and thinking, oh, who's in the away kit? Is that, is that the first team? Is that what he's going to look to pick or whatever? But it's, it's good that we're getting the football in. I think, I'm not sure if the teams out in Germany had the opportunity to have pre-season or sort of pre-season again, uh, friendlies before. So, I mean, we need as much football as you can get to get the boys sharp. So, to be honest, good on him. And, and there's one after that, isn't there, against Crystal Palace or something? Is there the one yeah. lined up against Palace as well? Yeah, because we played them twice. I think that they're just going to do one after QPR game. Yeah, I've got just so that in case there's anything they could have learnt from playing against us yeah, in a friendly. Make a three points then, yeah. Yeah, again, that's that's another game, is it? West Ham against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, although they have done all right this season, not exactly been beautiful to watch, have they? Even if I think all of a sudden fans were suddenly allowed in and 60,000 people could go to that for free. I think you'd have to pay a few people to go and watch <laughs> us turn out against against Palace. Well, is uh, certainly like you say, it's it's good to see the boys back in back in kits every week and, and just playing. We'll we'll touch on it in a minute. How you're feeling against Wolves? But stay with us because we'll dig a bit more into Jeremy and Gakia's situation next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, William Pugh, James Jones and Tom Edwards. We've dug a little bit in there 
in the first section into the Jeremy and Gakia situation, some couple of preliminary thoughts from James, which have annoyed me enough already that mean I'm looking forward to this next 15 minutes. The good news about Thomas Suchek extending his loan deal and, of course, the friendlies and the club fan mosaics that are going up at the London Stadium ahead of football's return. But we'll go into Ngakia a bit more now. David Moyes come out in the week. Like I said, Sam Incasol, Football.London, friend of the show, wrote a really good piece this week with uh, comments from Moyes about the situation that have, have split fans, to be honest, on Ngakia. Had a couple of really good games when he come into the team, a little bit unheard of this season. And Moyes is long and short of it. He's come out with some quite strong comments. That said, we're really surprised and disappointed that Jeremy is not going to stay at West Ham. We like him a lot. We've given him his debut. And I'm a manager who's done that many times in my career. Jeremy is another one of those. And I feel he's making a mistake choosing not to stay with us. We've trusted him big games and everyone likes him at the club. I also feel it's a kick in the teeth for the academy because they've developed a player for the first team and he's not going to stay. We're really disappointed with his decision not to stay beyond June the 30th. I think also Moyes said as well that Ngeki had actually said to him in person that it was his decision not to play. Seems to be a lot of rumblings that it was his agent. Ultimately, uh, the, the numbers talked about in, in Sam's piece originally said that Ngeki was after around £20,000 a week. The club were offering around five plus some bonuses. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what those bonuses would meant his wage gone up to. My stance, I'll start with it because I've heard from Jonesy already earlier, that £20,000 a week sounds a lot for a player who hasn't particularly played as much, who, who is quite young and still relatively unproven. However, I look at it and think, well, first of all, why go with five? Why don't you just meet him in the middle and go with 12 or 13? Because that is manageable money, whatever way. Secondly, he's played in the Premier League and he's looked really good. They were against some impressive sides as well. City and Liverpool, I think he played against. And... Thirdly, we've got some absolute dross football players in that squad who are we're paying so much more money than that. Carlos Sanchez, Jack Wilshere spring to mind as the immediate one. I won't even go on to Felipe Anderson at the moment. But you're talking huge sums of money in there. Really, what is the difference? Even if it went all the way up to 20, all right, that would seem like a lot. And I get it sets a bit of a dodgy precedent, but we're desperate for a right back as well. Zabaleta doesn't bring anything to the squad anymore, maybe a bit of experience off of it. But why not just meet him in? Why stick your heels in as a club at five grand? And why not go, all right, look, 20 grand's a bit much. We'll give you 12 or 13. Because you guarantee there's every chance he could be our starting right back for certainly the rest of this season and then maybe next. And you've got another Declan Rice on your hands. And all of a sudden, you've got another 30, 40 million pound asset for the sake of 12 maybe grand a week I, I, it just it's, I don't know it's just one of those where I think the club are cutting their nose off or half of their face off to spite their face Tom I think there is a situation that quite frankly I think everyone loses out I think the club lose out because you pump all that money into the academy when we're famed for and you, you, you all that money is to get a player prime for the first team so losing it, not keeping a player who's ready for first-team football and proving it is, is poor on the club side. But for the, I feel sorry for him if it's his agent because he's going to have to leave as a 19-year-old right-back with just four games in the Premier League, re-establish himself at another club where there's probably a first-choice right-back already. Who wants him in the Premier League, let alone if he, is he going to even stay in the Premier League, might have to drop down a division. It just seems a, an odd situation because I, I do also blame him. I don't feel sorry for him in that sense because it's his... Ultimately, it's his decision to stay on with us or not. But I just think he's got lucky this season in the sense that Ben Johnson got injured. He was a second-choice right-back for the 23s. He's come in. As a club, West Ham have shown him a lot of faith to play him in big games at a relegation scrap against Southampton, twice against Liverpool, and I think Arsenal or City away, one of those two. And we've shown him a lot of faith. And we could have stuck one of our left-backs at right-back, Masawaki or something like that. We could have... Hit him in the reserve. He can't even play left back. I know, but 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 in theory, he's been. I don't think there's many people who would have started second choice right back from under twenty threes who then would be get thrown in six months later on in the season, regardless of injuries. I think they'd look for experience, and I just think he's let us down by by his. I think they're extortionate the demands. I think twenty grand's too much for a bloke, and it is a dangerous precedent if you if you start giving him twenty k for four appearances. But then at the same time. I'm with you in the sense that he looked a really good player and we, sh we should be trying harder from my point of view to make it work. And I don't know, obviously, the ins and outs, but I would like to see him stay. But I think it's a shame what he's asking for and the fact that 
be so blasé about the prospect of leaving. And I, I do know what you mean. Jonesy, before I come to you, it's someone who's quite close. I spoke to someone earlier on today. I can't divulge who, but someone who's quite close to the, the goings-on, both on the club side and the side of uh, the agent and the player. And the, the thoughts here was, this is a message I got earlier on, Johnson was ahead of Ngakia in the pecking order for the under-23 this season. Johnson got a hamstring injury at the bad time, exactly what you said there, Tom. I don't think West Ham have ever rated Ngakia particularly highly. They released him shortly after he joined the club when he was about 14 and then re-signed him. And as what you said, Tom, he's just got lucky. Jonesy, I still think all, all that, fair enough, but he's actually proved himself. And you've got football's all about taking your opportunities, isn't it? He's got one. But I'm going to tell him what you say because you're shuddering with anger. Um, no, I wouldn't go that far. I think, I think we have to... You have to consider from from the club's point of view, and no one's brought this up, and you know it's only really just come to me. So the club will, will have felt like they were stung with Reece Oxford. No, let's have it right. Reece Oxford, when he broke into that team, he had one good, one outstanding game. Then he had yeah, had a couple of good games, and then suddenly he's been given a thirty grand a week contract. What four or five months after he after he made his debut against Arsenal that year? Then what happened? A lot of people were then blaming his dip in form and him being out of the team because of his attitude. And whether that's right, maybe that's the reason why West Ham are hesitant at giving someone like Ngakia, who's had four good performances um, against, you know, against like arguably two, two against the, arguably the best team in the world, um, giving him twenty grand a week. When they look back at Reese Oxford, which wasn't that long ago, and you look where Reese Oxford is now, um, and go, well, hang on, we got stung there because the moment we gave him a big um, Reese Oxford a big contract. He, he went off the rails. Um, we don't want the same thing to happen. And they're probably going, they've got a bit of, they feel like they've got a bit of responsibility as a football club not to be throwing 20 grand a week at a 19-year-old before he's actually done anything in his career. He's not done anything at all, apart from four good Premier League games. Against um, some good sides, but against yeah. some good sides. But, you know, Reese Oxford had, had a blinding debut, debut against Arsenal. He once his Mesut Ozil was in his pocket. Uh, all went to his head got a 30 grand a week contract and now now he's, he's struggling to play in the Bundesliga um, th- there has to be a point where you go well hang on is Jeremy Ngakia worth 20 grand a week right now no he's not um, could he be in the future potentially if he stayed at West Ham learn more about being in around the first team he won't be in the team every week maybe Ben Johnson comes in and then takes takes over, over his spot but you've got two, you've got at least one young player there that's learning from first team footballers in the Premier League. He knows that he's got that experience. He's been at the club since he was, what, 14, 15. He, he knows the surroundings. West Ham at the moment is the best place for Jeremy Ngakia. Um, but not when you're on 20 grand a week. It, it's, it's irresponsible for the club to just throw 20 grand a week at 19 year old when he's not done anything in his career to earn that kind of money. Um, right, okay. That, uh, that's uh, the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, first of all, I think all three of us are agreed that £20,000 a week is too much money. And I am in that camp, definitely. I, I agree with what, what Tom said there. You can't just throw that sort of money. It's extortionate. However, I, do th- I don't think 10 or 12 is, is particularly out of the question. I, I, I know what you mean. The Reese Oxford thing is a bit of an awkward one. But again, I think you've got to think of the numbers. 30 grand a week is obscene because he, he did have a semi-good game and he'd been raved about before. But I also think you've got to find the balance, haven't you? Because if, you know what will happen, if, if Ngakia does go on and he does get a new contract somewhere else, then it'll be, wow, West Ham have done it again. You know, absolute shambles how they've run this club. We've just let a prize asset go off and absolute smash it up somewhere else. I do agree that from his point of view, it seems really foolish because... We are crying out for a right back. Pablo Zabaleta is not a Premier League player anymore. No, not even close. And Ryan Fredericks, I think everyone's still pretty undecided about him, aren't they? Started reasonably okay and showed some promise. But I don't think it, it's, it's not like Fredericks' spot isn't up for grabs. So mm. I think as far as his development goes, I think you're right. It, it seems foolish to really, because if he had one good season and was actually a starting right-back, just like Declan Rice did at central midfield, he could, next summer, he could demand 45 grand a week, couldn't he? £40,000 a week, a contract in line with, with mm. Declan Rice's. And he's got the opportunity to do that. So 
but I do think there's a balance. I think West Ham, if it is true what they that they dug their heels in at five grand basic plus some bonuses, I don't think ten or twelve grand a week for someone with that much potential is is necessarily too much money. No, I, I just, sorry, you go sorry, ahead. go on, Tom. Um, I was just going to say that what you're saying about Ngaki there in the sense that it, it, we should meet him at the middle and we should give him more money than more money than five grand. But at the same time, he's one of those players where it's luck. And what you're talking about, opportunity, he's, be, he's lucked out. He's had injuries ahead of him. He's got two right backs who probably haven't been up to it this season. It's about striking while the iron's hot as a, as a young player and making your mark. He's got, he'll never have a better chance in his career at and nailing down a spot in a Premier League first team because he's he's basically got the run of it. He is a starting right back now. He's on the first. Well, I think anyone did our team sheet coming out of this, we'd all have him as a starting right back. The majority of fans would. And that level of luck to go from a situation to there to suddenly a starting right back, he should be wanting to strike in and make it his own and prove he's a Premier League player. And he has one good season in the league. He's nailed on for life. Well, for the next five, six, seven years as a Premier League player. And instead, he's going to have to go away, start again at a new club. It's just, it just doesn't make sense to me from his point of view why he's, why he's doing this. It sounds to me like he's trying to strike while the iron's hot financially rather than getting the first team. Go on, Jonesy. I just, I, I, the interesting thing about this is that there's no reports of any club interested in signing him. I, I haven't seen anything going, oh, you know, X, Y, Z are interested in, in taking Ngaki on a free once his contract expires at West Ham. There's none of that. Um, so if that's true, that there's currently no options for him, that makes the decision even more baffling in that mm. he's decided to leave before the season's finished because, you know, we've got, um, we've still got up until the end of July now. Um, so what's he going to end? What's he going to play one game against Wolves, let his contract expire, sit around all summer and wait for the phone to ring? Um, and then, like, I just, I, I don't, the whole thing is, is baffling. I, I just don't get the logic either from him or his agent. Um, it, it's, it's a strange one. But I understand the club, the club stance on this. If they're digging the hills at five grand, that, that there's a reason why they're doing that. It's either one, because they've, they've been stoned before with the likes of Reese Oxford, um, or perhaps they, they don't feel he's, he's good enough. Perhaps they don't. Perhaps David Moyes, yeah, okay, saying in public, yeah, we're disappointed. Perhaps he doesn't think he's good enough for more than five grand a week. But perhaps he doesn't think he's proved himself enough to earn that twenty grand a week contract that he so desperately, well, apparently so desperately wants. One thing I think is is worth remembering here is the old Jermaine Defoe syndrome, and you know, understandably, everyone kicked up at the time. It's poor advice, isn't it? When you're that age, this this. This guy's 19 years of age. I know I certainly wasn't at my most sensible when I was 19 years of age. And it seems, it's, it seems like it's bad advice, doesn't it, that he's getting at the moment? Because like you, surely you'd think he'd be, even whether it's luck or whatever it is, it is luck that perhaps he's got in the team ahead of Johnson or ahead of the, the fact that Fredericks even got injured in the first place. The fact is he still played in the Premier League and got really rave reviews didn't he so he must be just on a take the finances away on a purely footballing from a purely footballing sense he must be buzzing around about that 19 years old really like cut the mustard in the Premier League and got and got rave reviews so there must be something positive to take out of it from his point of view but we'll uh we'll, we'll interesting to rumble that on David Moyes didn't completely shut it down he said you know we're still hoping there's a chance we can get something done but at, for the time being, Jeremy's told me that is his intention. I think if you're right, if there's no interest from elsewhere, all of a sudden the uh, the five to ten grand a week deal might look a little bit more appealing if it realises he's going to have to go back and play for, for Deptford United, which is where he's from. But we'll, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more on that and some interesting stuff on the shirts for heroes. I've put my bid in. So we'll talk about all that a little bit more next. Welcome back to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Some interesting thoughts on Jeremy and Gakia just now. David Moyes' comments coming out in the week saying he's disappointed with the decision. An intriguing one, whether he'll play against Wolves or not, considering that uh, he'll be under contract. 
still, but sounds like June the 30th, as things stand, he'll be on his way out. I can't see him, uh, boys, just quickly before we move on from that. I can't see him. Jonesy, can you get in the team if he's, if he's not going to play anymore? Although he has been doing first-team work, you, you wouldn't play him, would you? No, no. What's the point? No point. If he's not going to stay, then um, tell him to clear his locker and uh, wait for his contract to run down. Well, cutting words as always from from James Jones. Well, while we're on it, obviously uh, the, the finances seem to be the main sticking point on whether or not Jeremy and Gecky would stay at the club. There's some interesting stuff I saw in the last week or so, Tom, from the Premier League chief, Premier League big wig, Richard Masters, basically, kind of suggesting that he would be in favour of a salary cap. The, the coronavirus blackout has brought on huge ramifications financially for football clubs. Tottenham getting a Bank of England loan out within the last week. West Ham, Golden Sullivan and the shareholders having to pour in northwards of £30 million of their own cash to, to plug that hole. It's, it's something I've been calling for for such a long time because I think the, the way football is at the moment, especially in the top flight, is there's just no competition left in it anymore. The amount of games in a season supporting a team like West Ham, where you've just written them off, just isn't fun. Every time you know the podcast we do before we play Man City or Liverpool are my least enjoyable ones for that exact same reason. When we used to do the live radio show, we'd do the opposition view. And although we sort of have a joke about it as we would, it just doesn't feel right going into a Premier League game when you're a Premier League team going, oh, well, yeah, just write this one off this week. If we don't get beaten 4-0, then that, that's a good result. And I don't think that's what football's about. And I feel really strongly about it. And I, I do think this football, everyone can see it. There's a direct link between the amount of money football clubs have and they're allowed to spend on transfers and their success on the pitch. Richard Masters talking about a salary cap. Is that something, Tom, that you'd be in favour of or not really for you because it's a bit too American? No, I'm with you. I really think in the last few years, I think since Guardiola came into the league, really, the quality of football partly he's brought and the level of money City have been spending. Don't get me wrong, other teams, I actually love Guardiola, but I'm just saying this period has been the most uncompetitive or the biggest golfing class between, let's say, the top four, top six and the rest of the league. And it is... Going when you when you're on a train up to somewhere and like city away and you're wasting your whole Saturday up there and you think that there's actually is effectively no hope. It's not really a, a football game, it's more of how long you can stick in it. And I think it would close that gap. I think if it was done correctly and, and teams abided by it and there were strict ramifications for those who don't, I think it could be a really interesting model. And also I think it might help with domestic players and getting people through your own academy and start seeing start benefiting English football in general because you pr- presumably be paying them less, more young players in the squad in and about the squad. And I think it would just freshen it up. It's obviously a long way away because it's, it's going to take a while for clubs to have to wean people off the money or whatever. But I think it would be exciting prospect for a team like us and it'd give us a bit of hope of potentially cracking them one day. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, in, in America, I sort of keep a, a rough eye on, on American sports, particularly the NFL and the NBA. And although like the New England Patriots, for example, in the NFL have been particularly dominant over the past few years, but the, not, not Man City dominant. They're, mm. they're in and about it most of the time. Uh, but you, you normally have someone different or someone new in, in if it's not the Super Bowl, then in the, their equivalent of the semifinals. Similar sort of situation with the NBA. You have some better teams, of course, and teams who do better with their money. But that's what it's about. It's about the teams who, who can make the most of, of the cash share allowed. You mentioned Guardiola there. He's the Rolls Royce of managers as well, isn't he? And yeah. Because they can pay him the money. It's, it's throwing money at it from all angles. Jonesy, is it, is it something you could get behind or do you just think it's, it's, it's not going to happen because the Premier League have gone too far with it at the moment? I'm all for, I'm all for it. Um, do I think it will ever happen? No. Purely as you as you just said, well, uh, I think the Premier League's gone too far down the line. That just the level of money involved um, at the top level of, of football, not just in the Premier League but across Europe, um, has gone too far for then any club to agree to some kind of salary cap. And um, and uh, Tom mentioned it uh, um, briefly. Sort of mentioned it in that you know it would take years to implement because you've got players on mega money contracts 
um, that would need to then be weaned off those contracts before salary cap works. And everyone's contract ends at different times. So it's not something that they can just implement one year and, you know, it's done. Uh, you have to get the clubs to agree to it. All the players would obviously have to agree to it. It wouldn't just have, you couldn't just do it in one league. It'd have to be arguably worldwide. Because otherwise, if the Premier League just did it, then all the players would go, well, I'm going to put over to France and earn four or five times more money than I can earn in the Premier League. So it's got to be arguably everyone in, in football at every level agreeing to it. Um, and they've kind of, they kind of tried doing this with financial fair play. I know it was more aimed at stopping clubs from spending beyond their means and going out of business. But it was also a way of trying to level the playing field in terms of spending power. Um, and that it's hasn't not, worked. is it? Well, that's that the other way. Because, yeah. because if anything, you know, clubs find, find loopholes, you know, you know, a lot of premier clubs are now sponsoring their training grounds just to, just to get around financial fair play. PSG, um, loaned Neymar for a year before then spending what world, world record fee because if they bought him that initial year then was it Mbappe it was Mbappe wasn't it that they, yeah. um, if they bought, spent all that money in the first year then they would have breached financial fair play rules so they loaned him for a year and then paid the money for the second year the agreement was always in place but so clubs find ways around it um, and unless any kind of salary cap um, it's completely water tight, then clubs are going to find their way around it. And I just think the game's gone too far. Um, and if if the likes of FIFA or UEFA tried putting this in place, one, it'd be complicated. And two, I reckon it could, it would probably spark the, the beginning of some kind of European Super League where clubs just break away and do their own thing uh, and not yeah. be governed by the likes of UEFA or FIFA. Um, because, the, you know, the Saudis that own... Um, City uh, and and PSG and potentially Newcastle, they didn't buy those football clubs to then be restricted in what they can and can't spend. They want to turn these football clubs into world superpowers. They've achieved this uh, at City and PSG to an extent, but then suddenly they're told, no, sorry, you can only spend X amount of money. They're like, well, what's the point of me buying the football club then? They're going to go off and do their own thing. Um, and a lot of clubs will follow. So as much as I'd love to see it happen, um, I think we're, we're 10, 15 perhaps even 20 years too late. Mm. Yeah, I mean, City's owners, obviously, the United Arab Emirates, they're from Newcastle looking, like you say, but looking to be Saudi-backed. But I think, that, first of all, I think just because it would be complex, I don't think that's not a necessarily a reason not to do it. But I, I definitely agree because you're... If you're, I was surprised to hear it from the Premier League, from Masters, to be honest. That's why I was surprised to hear it come from him because... Ignoring any prospect of a Super League for now, if the Premier League go, oh, yeah, um, we're introducing a salary cap and it's going to be X, you're not going to have Paul Pogba and uh, Sergio Aguero go, oh, that's cool. I'll go and be, I'll go and play for West Ham then and I'll go and be their highest played player. So everyone's got an even spread of players. You'll go, all right, see you later then. I'll, I'll go and play in Liga or I'll go and play in uh, Italy. But one thing I do think is interesting about that is, Given the, the state of things at the moment, how much money clubs in the Premier League have got, rather than just toddling off to Italy or Spain or Germany, I do think there's generally a chance that, maybe not with Aguero or people like that, but you could have a filtering down slowly of top quality players further down the leagues. Because as we can see from the, the European rich lists on clubs, uh, West Ham, I can't remember exactly where it was, either 19th or 12th or something. I think it was 19th when it was released a few months yeah. ago that West Ham are the 19th richest club in Europe. Really, people go, oh, they'll just go off and play in other leagues. I don't necessarily think those lesser teams in the Bundesliga or La Liga or Serie A have, have got as much money as an average Premier League team. So it technically could work, but I, I agree on the... European Super League front I just I just don't find it that enjoyable anymore Tom no I think yeah I'm with you I just the one thing I think this whole um, pandemic will have shown football clubs is that there's too many players who don't play who are earning astronomical amount of money who sit on the bench week in week out or play five six appearances a season used in cup games and before when the furloughing of the football clubs was happening and they were obviously keeping on their playing staff and not their backroom staff it did make me wonder, like, there's a lot of players in that Tottenham squad who barely kicked a ball or, or done nothing all season, and they were yet earning this 
unbelievable amount of money compares the average Joe for, for not even really doing their job. Obviously training is their job and going in and looking after themselves every day, but it's a lot of money. I think that might have been a bit of a sea change in the way clubs deal with their fringe players and the level of money that they're, they're willing to play on squad players and give to those sort of third, fourth choices like Ari Yeti. I don't think you'll see us go out and get a fourth choice strike of 7 million and pay him decent money anymore. I think signings like that might be quashed because clubs are losing a lot of money on these type of players. And I can understand you sort of give and take when it's, uh, I was going to say Ozil then, forget that. I was going to say De Bruyne, you can understand paying him in quarantine, do what you want, mate. But with the lesser players, you think it's a lot of money being spent on someone who we'd maybe be better off using a youngster. He might be a tiny bit worse, but whatever, he's one of ours. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And that this whole situation would have given every football club the chance to reassess where, where, they, where they're spending their money. Um, and again, this kind of relates back to the Ngakia thing. Maybe they're thinking, well, hang on. Um, we haven't got 20 grand to pay a young 19-year-old who, who might not even be in the team in six months' time. Um, because the, the last couple of months has told us that we've got too many players earning four or five times that and, and not playing at all. You know, I'm looking at you, Sanchez and Jack Wilshire and, and, and the like. Um, and yeah, well, Anderson plays just, you just never notice him. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's half-hearted. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think I, I do agree with Tom in that we, we, this might spark a bit of a sea change in the way clubs go about their business. Maybe we will see clubs deciding not to spend as much as they were as a collective, um, not sort of in agreement with each other, but just sort of naturally as a collective going, you know, well, it's not worth paying that extra 20 grand a week for, for this star player purely because he's a star player, because, you know, what if he gets injured, then suddenly we're at risk of X, Y, Z. Um, because we all know that football clubs can be very, very reckless in their business. West Ham being one of the main culprits in that. Um, so, you know, if a salary cap sort of solves that problem to an extent. Um, but hopefully the, the current situation might just sort of naturally sort of lead team football clubs down that path. Um, yeah, but look, you can just imagine football clubs would just slip back into their old, their old stupid habits once we're, we're back playing and everyone's back, back uh, bums on seats in stadiums. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because it's such a once-in-a-lifetime thing. There's no real reason to suggest that the clubs will learn any lessons from it. But I just think, you know, in, in American sports, no matter the quality of the rest of the players, the, most teams, the salary cap system enables most teams to have one star player who can do it. Every team, no matter how good or bad they are, every team's got at least one absolute star. He's obviously the highest earner. but um, And I know there's more to it with the draft system and all that. It's a completely different framework. But... I do like the idea and I much prefer the thought of Riyad Mahrez turning out for West Ham every week rather than sitting on the bench <laughs> at Manchester City. You, you touched on it there, James, about the clubs and, and learning our lessons. West Ham, Albion, Ieti, we mentioned last week, trying to get rid of him for 8 million quid. And whether or not that will affect or the whole, the whole coronavirus will affect West Ham's transfer business or not remains to be seen. You imagine it will. We've heard a lot of rumblings out the club about players needing to go. One player this week who we've been linked with once again is Mishi Batshuayi from Chelsea. I think God knows how much money we'd have to pay for him between eight and eight and twelve million. I would sort of value him at really. Certainly, if we're trying to get eight for Albion Ieti. I don't know what your thoughts are, Tom, but it's just another name that excites me. Approximately zero out of ten. Uh, I'm with you. And when the figure was 40 million, the quote, I think, was it for him? You just got to look at it and say, we can't. Just be, honestly, I believe everything I read in terms of West Ham transfers because we do do some stupid stuff. So I thought, well, please <laughs> don't, boys. But you can't. We can't. And, and I think what you said about the coronavirus, if it does affect us or not, it's affected every big business. But I think it'll be will thrown out as an excuse for the majority of the window if it's not going our way anyway. So... I think we'll keep hearing about the ramifications for that for the club for a while. And I hope we, we, we clearly need, we need depth. We need depth in a lot of positions and we need young. We need a bit of vibrancy in the squad. I think Bowen was the type of signing we need. Young, talented, uh, player hungry with something to prove. And I hope we, I hope we are positive in the window, but things like Matt Batshuayi for 40 million or upwards of 25, I think would be suicide really. I think it would be a terrible mistake. Would you have him at all, Josie, if you took 
money out out of it would you have him I just looked back and didn't really do much at Palace can't even get a sniff at Chelsea I don't know what's what's the appeal just another one of them because he once had a contract with a club deemed big in England Sami Nasri, Pablo Zabaleta, Javier Hernandez, all that sort of ilk. Uh, that's what. Even though he is a lot younger, I would say that he's he's deceivingly young, isn't he? I think twenty six. Mm. That's why he's still so. Potentially, he's still got some good years ahead of him. But are you at all enticed by that transfer re- rumor? Not really. A couple of years ago, I might have been. Um, <laughs> I just. I, I mean, I know we're so desperate for a regular goal scorer, but. I just don't see him. I mean, he scores goals in the Premier League, but not off, not as uh, regular enough for me to think, yeah, okay, it's worth us going out there and spending 25, 30 million quid on him. Um, not when we've spent 40 million quid on a player that we don't even play to, play to his strengths in Sebastian Haller. Um, you know, you wonder, okay, if we spend all that money on Batshuayi, are we going to then completely change the way we play and not play to his strengths? Um, I think we need to deal with what we've got and that's a £40 million striker and start playing to his strengths. Um, otherwise, it's just another waste of money if we're just going to go around in circles trying to find something that works, you know, and it's just not, it's not good. Um, and just, I'm getting bored of Batshuayi being linked to us in every single transfer window. Um, it was unrealistic when David Sullivan made it public that he wanted to spend £40 million quid on him or Lacazette that summer. Um, got neither of them. Um, and then over the years it's it's got sort of perhaps more realistic given the, the, the career t- trajectory of Batchwise but um, the, his appeal has sort of gone south at the same time and uh, yeah uh, I'm just not bought not sold by him at all well one thing before we move on to the coveted final section I've got some excellent news for fans of the podcast there was some Umin and Arin the mystery rogue players quiz that James pipped me to in the very final game week on the very final couple of clues we, we thought that might have been gone gone forever but after some fan backlash on the emails and on Twitter we've decided that for the rest of the season we will be continuing with the mystery players quiz I will be the quiz master instead of Charlie Edwards so not quite the same, but we'll certainly be able to put Tom's knowledge to the test as he was always chirping and nodding away whenever he was in the studio listening to me and James struggle in the past. So good news for everyone who got in touch. Thanks for all those uh, emails. We'll be running the Mystery Players quiz until at least the end of the newly formed Premier League season. I don't think there's going to be any bets on it this time. But that's coming up in the very last segment. One thing, boys, just before we move on, which I think people are glossing over a little bit, and like I mentioned it earlier, it was only brought to the forefront of my mind by my dad very abruptly earlier in the week. There is such a huge chance that we will go down and all of these conversations we've been having just now will be completely moot because there'll be no Declan Rice, there'll be no Sebastian Allaire, there'll be no Philippe Anderson. You might hold on to Fabianski. Noble will be trotting us out in the championship at the London Stadium next season. There's such a very, very real chance of that happening. And given the complete random situation that we're now faced with after everyone's fitness, we don't know what the fitness is going to be like. We don't know how well everyone stayed in shape. We don't know how all of the teams across the league are going to have reacted to lockdown. Just quickly, and we will go into it next week because it'll be the last podcast before football is back properly. I just want to get some quick thoughts from both of you on on what do you think will actually happen? Have, have you got faith? And James, I'll start with you because judging by your face on the Zoom call at the moment, it doesn't look like it. No, I do have faith. Um, uh, although, I mean, I had more faith uh, until I was reminded about what our next three fixtures are, which is what I think it's what Wolves, Tottenham and Chelsea. Um, <laughs> which, you know... You, We've so so long gone since we last even looked at a fixture list or looked at a league table or watched us play. And I forgot sort of how difficult a situation we were in. Um, but it does get a little bit easier after those games, I think. And um, I think that I still believe that that final day against Villa is going to be massive. Um, and hopefully the uh, the mosaic at London Stadium can push us over the over the line on the last day of the season. But I, I do have faith. Um, I think it'll be tight. I don't think at any point we'll um, we'll pull away. I think 
of the first couple of weeks, it's going to be interesting to see how teams uh, adapt to behind closed doors football. But um, I believe we'll be in the Premier League next year. Um, you can save that bit and then come back to me in eight or nine weeks' time and yeah, after you've been relegated. Absolutely. That'll be a great little soundbite for the for the podcast going into next season. James Jones predicting we stay up if we then go on to not win a game between now and then. Tom, 27 points we're on at the moment. Minus 15 goal difference, which is the best out of that bottom five, but we're only two goals better than Watford are also on 27 points and three goals better than Bournemouth also on 27. Villa are only two points behind us. You'd, Norwich, you'd have to say they were adrift. They're only six points away. If we lose all three of those games and they get a win or two out of somewhere, we're, we're definitely still in it. Are you as positive as, as James or are you going to be oh. a bit more realistic so you can't be used for clickbait next season? I'm going to watch what I say, that's for sure. But um, no, I mean, I, I was looking back at the results and it's we've won two Premier League games in our last 13. Um, so we, we're, we're the out-of-form team in the league. There's no question about that. This break probably came at, this has never came at a good time for anyone, but if anything, to get Moyes Moy said it himself, it's a chance for him to have a pre-season. So I don't think the form before carries on, to be honest. But I'm confident we'll stay out. We've got, we've got the quality to do it. We've got enough games in there. At the bottom, it's just about winning two or three big games. Winning three, four games, I reckon, will be enough for us to stay up. So we just got to come together, find a goal scorer in this. Hopefully Bowen pitches in with enough for somebody gets important goals for us to keep us up because that's always been our problem this season is where the goal's going to come from. So I'm confident in it, but Wolves next. We haven't scored against them since they've been promoted in three games it is or whatever. So they're a bit of a bogey side and they're a good side. So the next three will be tough, but I do I do believe that we will come through. I think we've got enough quality and hopefully leaders to get through it, to be honest. Yeah, I think the the worrying thing for me is that it's not like we've got you know, like Tottenham, I know they're not in relegation trouble, but they've had Harry Kane out for ages. They've got Harry Kane coming back who could really change and inevitably will change the fortunes of their team. We haven't really got that, have we? We we should have been spending lockdown, like James touched on there, finding out how to play football with the group of players we got, which isn't an ideal situation going into a Premier League relegation battle with nine games to go. We'll, we'll go into that, delve into that in more detail next week, but stick with us because we've got the mystery players quiz coming up. And we'll talk about Shirts for Heroes and my bid to try and win a signed shirt of King Arthur Masuaku coming up next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And back by popular demand after James Jones beat me on the very last week. In the real thing is the rogue mystery players quiz. We uh, we were scrapping around trying to find a feature as good or better, but as we've uh, we've heard back from a lot of the fans, there isn't too much better than the mystery players quiz at the end of each episode. It's definitely a fan's favourite and a listener's favourite. So we thanks for all the positive feedbacks. So we're going to keep it going until the end of this real, this newly formed, newly scheduled Premier League season. So you'll still have some random players to listen to the boys try and scrabble around for guesses. I've decided to be the quiz master because such was the embarrassing nature of my defeat to James Jones in that last game week. So Tom, you're, you're very much one for giving it the big end. Me and you have had yeah. a couple of friendlies before. I remember pulling your pants down in one. And then you also like to get quite chirpy in the studio when me and James are struggling going, I knew it. I know it. I've got it. I've already got it. How long are you two taking? So interested to put you on the spot. Josie, we normally do a little bit before and are you pleased to have the quiz back or is it one of those you've, you've had the glory and, and you're sort of just doing your, your pre-season training now? Yeah, I'm quite happy to have a couple more games. You know, it's nice to have a bit of new competition. Um, I was getting a bit bored of the last one. So, um, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, uh, I've done my research, uh, which I know you always hated. I've done my homework. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's good to be back. Tom, as, as the newbie, any pretty much nerves? I mean, it's a lot easier on uh, your side of the things. So, uh, mate, no nerves here. I'm against good comp- I'm against a winner. So, uh, here we go, mate. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Well, as always, we've got three former West Ham United players. There's five, qu- five quiz questions. The clues get easier as they go, and hopefully the boys have, uh, are able to get it. First person to guess it, shout out your answers, wins the point. It's best of three. 
So this is the Rogue Mystery Players Quiz back again, and this is player number one. This player's middle name is Patrick. My guess is this player was born in London in 1973. Clue number three. This player played just 14 games for West Ham in the 2002-2003 season. At 14. 14 won four games for West Ham in the 2002-2003 season. Ben Johnson. Incorrect. Clue number four. This player signed from Coventry City where he played the most games in his career. So the most games he played for of any team in his career was for Coventry, which is where West Ham signed him from in 2002. Melville? No, incorrect. Still nothing from the boys. Clue number five. This centre-back was a Republic of Ireland international. Rufus Brevet. <laughs> Brevet. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what no, the, I that... didn't hear the last one. Was it Ireland? <laughs> the English left-back Rufus Brevet. <laughs> so still nothing from the boys after the five clues. We'll have a little recap. Middle name was Patrick, born in London in 1973. Played 14 games for West Ham in the 2002-2003 season. Signed from Coventry City, where he played the most games of any team in his career. This centre-back was a Republic of Ireland international, and he was also widely regarded by West Ham fans as being one of their worst players in the modern oh, era. Oh, oh. Um, Gary Breen. Gary Breen is correct. Tom Edmonds on his debut on the Rogue yeah, Mystery Players to, Quiz. Yeah, I had to redeem myself after saying an English bloke as an Irish centre half. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, left back Rufus Brevet. That's uh, got to me, boys. Not good. So it's 1 0 to Tom Edwards on the new format of the Rogue Mystery Players Quiz. James Jones shaken but doesn't look too fast having beaten me and secured the beers a couple of weeks ago. Player number two. This player finished his career at UD Ibiza in 2019. Ooh, oh, do you know what? I think I read about this recently, but I can't remember who it is. Clue number two. His two loan appearances for West Ham in 2014 bore no goals despite him being a striker. Two appearances 2014. Mladen Petric. Incorrect. Clue number three. This player has never played more than 71 games for one club in his career. The most, the 71, was for Genoa in Italy. Boriello. Oh, it's Boriello. Oh. That is correct. <laughs> and Tom Edwards has got it 2-0. Oh, thank God for that. Tom Edwards on his proper, his full-time, his full-blown debut as a full-blown member of the We Are Stand podcast has, has swept it 2-0. James, still chance to get some pride. But, uh, yeah, Marco Borriello also played for AC Milan, Juventus and Roma. And the Italian international was signed at the same time as Antonio Nocciarino. Not particularly uh, outstanding or impressive player, Borriello, but that was at a time when we had an absolute mountain of totally forgettable players at West Ham United. So James still chance to restore a bit of pride. This is player number three, clue number one. This player is currently an assistant manager in his home continent. Clue number two. He played 46 games for Maccabee Tel Aviv and 55 for Hapoel Tel Aviv. Oh, who, James? Ben Ayim. Incorrect. Yanif Gatan. Also incorrect. Excellent guess, though. Yossi Ben Ayim. No, incorrect. Ayo Berkovic. No, incorrect. <laughs> Clue number three. Despite playing just 14 times for West Ham between 2006 to 2008, quickly became a fan's favourite. Clue number four. This player was recommended by Yossi Ben Ayoun to Alan Pardew, 
and he went on to play for Leicester City and Santos after West Ham. Ooh, good clues, by the way. Oh, oh no, it's too early. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What year was he at us, sorry? 06 to 08. Despite playing just 14 times for West Ham between 2006 and 2008, right. quickly became a fan's favourite. Now I'm going to give you a bonus clue. Normally there's five clues, but I'm going to slip this one in before clue number five. He once had a complaint against him in his home country that was withdrawn for stabbing his wife in the eye. Excellent. Sounds very West Ham him. <laughs> um, it's important, important to note, just for legal reasons, that the complaint was withdrawn. There was a complaint against him at one time for stabbing his wife in the eye, allegedly. Uh, this is clue number. F- this is clue number six. Played for Leicester Santos after. This is clue number six, and I think you'll get it on this one. This right back was famous for his one-man lap of honour. His one-man lap of honour. Oh, who was he chasing round? We'll have a recap. Currently an assistant manager on his home continent. Played 46 games for Maccabee Tel Aviv and 55 is for Hapoel Tel It is not Pablo Armero, that's incorrect. And 55 for Hapoel Tel Aviv. Splite playing just 14 times for West Ham between 2006 and 2008. This happy chappy became a fan's favourite. He was recommended by Yossi Benayoun and went on to play for Leicester City and Santos after West Ham. Once had a complaint against him in his home country for allegedly stabbing his wife in the eye, which was removed. Not the eye, the complaint. And this right back was famous for his one-man solo lap of honours. I'm genuinely, I'm flummoxed by this one. Um, that's it. If, if, I'm, if I'm not wrong, it was shirt number 14. John Pantsil. It is John Pantsil, James oh, Jones, crazy. rescue some pride with the last guess. That is quality. <laughs> well, Tom, you uh, couldn't quite get a date, couldn't quite get a whitewash no. on your Rogue Mystery Players quiz your first first week, first full week proper as a full-time signing at We Are West Ham. Jonesy, a defeat, does that feel as, as, as hard to take as they were against me when, when there was beers on the line? No, it was more relaxed. Um, it, was like a, it was like a pre-season defeat. Sort of the result doesn't matter. It's just getting the practice in, getting the fitness back up. Pride taking a bit of a knocking? No, nah, not at all. Not, not at all. <laughs> Tom, how do you feel on that on, on your debut? I think I've actually embarrassed myself more than anything with Rufus Brevitt as an Irish centre <laughs> half. So to be honest, I, we've both come out of this not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, now you know what it feels like to be on on that side of the the microphone. Me and James spat out some absolutely ridiculous answers when we were under pressure from Charlie earlier on in the season. Well, Tom, that was a 2-1 win for you. And before we wrap up for this week's episode, one thing we've mentioned it earlier on, one of the initiatives that the players were doing, the Players Together campaign has raised lots of money for the NHS and NHS charities already. And another thing is the Shirts for Heroes campaign that they're running alongside eBay. So what it is, you can go on and all the Premier League clubs are taking part. So you can click on your team, any team of your choice, and go on any player of your choice. And for a cost of £5 per ticket, you're entered into a draw to win that player's signed shirt. Am I, I've done two bids and I went for Arthur Masuaku. As everyone knows, King Arthur is one of my favourite West Ham players. And just for comedy value, uh, Roberto was actually on there for West Ham. So I've put in a fiver for him as well. So there's a, a chance I might be the proud owner of a King Arthur Masuaku and a Roberto signed shirt. Whether or not that will uh, get delivered to me or, or dropped on its way here is another one. Boys, is it? Um, obviously, you've seen some of the good work the players have done over the time. If you had to pick a, a West Ham player, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be bidding for? I'd I'd go for Anderson, um, and then I'll give it to you if I if I ever got it, mate. Just kind of it happening or just because I actually love him. Um, yeah, and I just love the way nut, nutmegs people, so I'd definitely go for Anderson. <laughs> Love a nut- he loves a nutmeg. Uh, it would have to be Bowen, mate. It would have to be him. Get it, it. No, yeah, I just, I just feel like he's going to do. I feel like he's going to be the man to get the goals here. I feel like he's. Well, I said that for every single play who's come through the door for the last twenty years of my life. So I'll probably jinx it now. Can you say um, Ayeti was going to be a forty-goal season striker once? I definitely did. You know. <laughs> yeah, I did. No, Zaza was future Ballon d'Or winner. 
I did fancy him when he came in. I'm not gonna. I thought he, he looked all right. Him. I remember you. You definitely always rated Marco Borriello. I remember you saying that vividly. Managed two goals for West Ham. <laughs> two games for West Ham. Zero goals. Another thing the club are doing today, boys. Another quite light-hearted thing is that for the return of the Premier League. Although it's behind closed doors, will be played at London Stadium. And you can, all you have to do, go on the club website, submit your name, your email address and a picture of yourself. Preferably, according to the club, doing the crossed hammers sign. Um, quite a light-hearted touch, something a bit funny. I probably will. I was trying to dig out a photo of me earlier on, perhaps doing the crossed hammers. But it appears that it's not a, not a thing I tend to do too much. Often comes across as a little bit little bit cheesy for me. I know it's each their own. But um is something you two will be doing in just quickly? No. Uh no. I might send one in to my son and there's a little West Ham shirt, but um I'm more interested to see whether they've got people in line to remove the fans' faces uh within the first minute when we go one nil down, just to mirror <laughs> the, the the way that stadium empties every time we go one nil down at London Stadium. So I hope they've got that just for effect. Be nice. pick them up. Yeah. Tom <laughs> Just quickly, yes or no, are we going to expect to see your face in cardboard cutout form at the London Stadium anytime soon? I'll give it a go, but they'll probably tell me no. They'll probably reject <laughs> Absolutely. Well, boys, thanks very much for tonight. Stay with us for next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hoping to have a few more esteemed guests on the podcast next week. Tom Edwards, well played in the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. What I've done in Gakia. We've done Suchek and we've done some uh, some good news and some positive stuff on the We Are West Ham show this week. Thanks again for listening. Up the Hammers. And we'll see you next week. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow and you are listening to We Are West Ham podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.